What's up, Internet? You're tuned in to episode 15 of the Video Game Pals, the Pals Network's weekly video game podcast where a group of lifelong gamers get together to talk about video games, the news, and how it all makes us feel. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined today by the Edgelord with a heart of gold, Mr. Robert Thompson. Hey. And the Guildmaster himself, Mr. Sean Bartley. Hello, hello. How are we doing this week, boys? Good. Pretty good. I mean... It's been uh it's been a rough week as you can tell by the voice, you know, dryness. <laughs> right, Pete? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Thompson and I both had a bit of a, a tough personal week, so but we're here. We're glad to be here, happy to talk about video games. Unfortunately, Mr. Andy Brown was not able to join us today, but he will be back next week. So we're gonna keep the show the way off we always do by talking about what we're playing this week. And um I- I'm gonna go first, just because I have I've had a week, boys. It's like I'm I'm at this point where I'm juggling four uh, four or five games that I'm really deeply engaged in and it's like killing me. Like like it's it's really frustrating to be like somewhat into a lot of games that I want to keep playing with no clear front runner and I'm at the point where like I feel like I just need to commit to one and move forward with it. But like two of them are multiplayer experiences too. So I'm beating around the bush here. I'm I'm knee deep still in Zelda. I've scratched the surface of Persona Five. I'm still making my way through the Crash Bandicoot collection, and then I'm also actively playing Arms and Splatoon online. Wow, pretty much, you know, a couple <laughs> times a week. Yeah, you gotta you gotta um, cut the fat, man. That's uh, that's rough even for me. You know that would it's bad. It's bad, man. Because there's like a lot of games I need to play right around the corner. Yeah. Like Life is Strange's prequels first episode comes out next month. The next uh, season of Batman is coming out this week. This week, um, it's like two, like by this point, actually, by the time you're listening to this, it's already out, I think. Um, and then there's the the Uncharted game, like the uh, last, I think it's Last Legacy or something like that. Um, so I, there's just like a lot on the horizon. And I still have so Horizon DLC, <laughs> <laughs> and I just have so much to get through, and I have no idea how I'm going to do it. Jeez, man, <clears throat> that's that's crazy. <laughs> it's like I think I really just gotta like, I don't know. I gotta I gotta find ways to make time to just bang out some of these. Like Zelda, I need to be. You know, I need to get through Zelda. Like if I don't finish you know, the Crash collection, that's, like, not the end of the world, you know? Like, I can I can live with myself with that, but, like, I love Breath of the Wild. The fact that I haven't put more time in it um, bothers me, you know? But it's just such a, like, mammoth, Herculean fucking, like, <laughs> task to get through it and do everything that, like, I have so many times I go to sit down and I'm just like, oh, I gotta, I gotta do something a little. Like, I need something lighter right now. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm playing Persona instead. That's great, right? Like, that's light, yeah. <laughs> yeah, light 100 hour. Uh, but that's the thing. I just feel like I'm watching anime, you know? like <laughs> <laughs> Catch up on uh, being a high schooler. Get a bunch of adults to tell me I'm an asshole for stopping a crime. It's good stuff. <laughs> Dude, everyone in that game tells you you're an asshole. Except for your friends. It's, it's pretty much. It's really weird. <laughs> I watched the list of players from beginning to end and it's just strange, you know? And I, uh, yeah, I just saw, um, crap, what's her name? Whatever. I just met some blonde girl with pigtails who called me a liar. My experience in Persona's been really great so far. Everyone's pretty much a dick to me. Except the one person who's been nice to me, everyone's like, you should stay away from that kid, he's trouble. Oh, Ryuji? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Ryuji's a bro. So like, like, dude. All right, cool. Ryuji is, like, the coolest guy, especially, like, you know, near the end of the game. He has got the best dialogue. 
He's he's the best. He's so cool. Love that guy. A tier bro. <laughs> yeah. No, he's the he's actually the best bro you're ever gonna have. He's great. Um, but yeah, so, and then, like I said, I've been, like, really, really into Splatoon lately. Like, I'm still playing ARMS a good amount, but, like, I am deeply into Splatoon 2 right now. Um, I am playing it, like, every single day. And, uh, it's just, like, it's a fun game to just jump into and jam out on. Like, at the end of the day, if I'm really beat or whatever, and, like, I feel like watching TV or, like, not, you know, playing something that's, like, more, you know, um, like, story-driven that I have to, like, really get engaged with or whatever like it's been fun to like throw on you know i'm like watching the office for the first time right now so i'll like throw on an episode of that and play like two or three rounds of splatoon and then go to bed you know and it's just like it's just fun i just it's such a fucking tight game and the gameplay loops are just you know super satisfying that's awesome i uh i'd like to i'd like to see it i've not seen I, i i know what the game looks like but i've not watched like a match played Right. So I want to see what that is like because I really don't know. You got to come down and uh, and visit me sometime soon, so we can we can like get some uh, pals network work done. But really, just so that you can play the fucking Switch, and I can try to convince you to buy one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I need <clears throat> Nintendo to convince me that there's a game on the horizon that I need. Smash. That's that's and it. I- and I get that. I totally do. But I really think that I can slow burn make you a believer like I did with Thompson, where it's just like, yeah, like, you know that that big game is coming. Like, you know that a Pokemon or a Smash is coming. But look at these, like, five really dope games you could be playing right now. I got to say, man, I felt exactly the way you do. Um, I pre-ordered one because I saw a good deal online, just like bit the bullet. And I didn't necessarily feel so hot on it. Like, I, I was excited, but like, didn't really feel like I cared so much. I was kind of like almost at one point like, man, that's 500 bucks. Like maybe I shouldn't have, but the day I got it and the day I started actually using it, I was like, this was worth it. And I keep finding things I like about it. And I, I'm so glad I did it, man. It is such a phenomenal console. Maybe around Christmas time. I'm sure there'll be a nice sale or something. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to wait till Christmas, but I saw a deal and I just, you know, went for it. Yeah. I remember you, uh, you talked to me about it too. And you're just like, Yo, so, like, should I just buy this bundle? And I was like, you're not going to be able to find one at Christmas, probably. So just get it. Like, get it. If you've got the money, you know, like, just just do it. You'll be happy. That's a fair <laughs> point. But anyway, speaking of your Switch, what have you been playing, Thompson? Uh, well, obviously, Breath of the Wild has been probably my number one game this week. Because it's been, like, a, a, a very small, like, uh, section of gaming I did. But I really kicked some ass in Breath of the Wild because uh, I, fi- I finally got the Master Sword which I stumbled upon. Like, I got to the Lost Woods. Um, I just went through it in, like, one shot. I figured out the torch thing right right away and found it. I happened to have enough hearts and didn't die. I got the Master Sword, um, <laughs> which is a blast because it fucks up the Guardians really nice. So now I'm, like, Guardian farming in that. Uh, I got three of the four Divine Beasts, so I'm, I'm really plowing into that game. Um, You're probably almost done, right? I mean, you got one more Divine Beast to go. Yeah, I'm not doing it yet. I'm making my way in that direction just because I'm, like, kind of getting some parts, upgrading armors and stuff. Um, I got all the ancient armor and stuff, so I don't know. I'm I'm pretty excited for it, though. Like, the game's getting kind of easy because I have so much good stuff. You know, like, the the Guardian Laser does, like, one heart to me now. And I've got, like, four. Oh, my God. And I've got, like, 14 (laughs) hearts. So it's just, like, all right. Yeah, and I can, like... I make food that gives me full recovery plus eight hearts. And I'm just like, well, with that, now I've got like 20 something hearts and like, all right, you know, it's just like, 
yeah, it's it's kind of I'm like, I'm really looking forward to actually doing the DLC because I have it, but I haven't you know played anything from it. Because um, apparently you start up at the game on like the the plateau and there's like fucking the centaur people and you the have lionels are yeah, like right and you there. Have a, yeah. You have a twig and it's just like okay. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, sure. Like, I guess. <laughs> Thompson, yeah. we should. You and me should totally do a let's play series where you play through that after you beat the game. Yeah, I mean, I played. I treated this game like Dark Souls, man. Like, I think I mentioned before. Like, I didn't know about armor until like my third, like my uh, my second Divine Beast. You know, I I did like, right. and I didn't even like turn in my hearts. I had th- uh, four hearts when I did my first two Divine Beasts. You know, but then they gave me a uh, bonuses, so you know, uh, you get a little bit extra. But, you know, and then I found out about armor and I was like, oh, my God, I've been playing this game with armor the whole time. Like, holy fucking shit. <laughs> and then it got a lot easier. So, uh, but yeah, like mostly Breath of the Wild. Um, I'm still playing that Foxhole game. That game is uh, that is like my PC game right now. You know, I I this is the first week I haven't played Heroes since we've started this. You know, I, I just didn't play Heroes of the Storm. I don't know why. Like, probably didn't have time. But Foxhole has been taking up so much time. It's disgusting. I think I broke the uh, 50 hour mark last night on that game. And that Jesus. was from, you know, uh, I don't know, maybe nine days. But, oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. that, But that game is it's fucking incredible. The experiences you have with it and the the, the it's the first like multiplayer game that says, hey, you have to be a team to win. And people are actually like, yeah, like, let's let's promote teamwork. Like people don't really grief. There's no trolls. I don't know why I've been on multiple servers where this is, it's very friendly. I don't know what the hell I'm like. I feel like I'm gaming in the nineties again, a little bit because all the dicks like weren't out yet. <laughs> so it's like one of the first like multiplayer team-based games that, you know, 50, 50 people on each side and everyone's actually working together, you know, like people are communicating and shit and they're not like shooting you in the face for no reason. It's incredible. You know, it's really, it's like a really interesting experience. And even if you get like nothing done, you still feel like you did something. It's, really weird but i love the shit out of it so i cannot recommend that game enough i think that's really all i played though just cool. two big games two really big games <laughs> right pete not like five just two <laughs> what did we switch roles it's like that's usually what you yeah do. yeah so i mean i played a hundred games this week right um... yeah for a hundred hours <laughs> yeah yeah that was a that Each. was a fun time like let me tell you right there when i shotgunned 101 games that was great Oh boy! So what about you, Shani? Uh, so the usual Warcraft, uh, Heroes of the Storm. What? Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, Heroes has been a lot of fun. I've been trying to push a little more in Hero League, so there's that. Um, I have a few friends who are like extremely good, so they're like motivating me to push forward. And one of them is a grandmaster. Oh shit! Um, so he he basically beat the game. Uh, so I'm trying <laughs> to get like him. Yeah, it's true. I mean, he pretty much did. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, it's good shit, Sean. So then, when whenever we play together, you know, I can just get even more raffle stomped by the people that you drag me into games with. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fun. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, I'll probably play a few rounds after this, uh, and then in addition to that, I started up Knights of the Old Republic again. Oh, nice. Uh, I've oh, been watching. Good. I've been watching a lot of videos about it and stuff, and uh, I got you nostalgic for it. Yeah, I mean, it's my favorite game, so I really just decided, you know what? It's been years and years and years. Let's do a playthrough. So that's what I'm doing. No, wait, did you? Because refresh my memory, because not only do you and I do two podcasts together, we talk to each other all the fucking time. 
Um, <clears throat> did you tell this story last week on the show about how you named your character, or did you just bring that up on the comics? Oh, files? yes, that's right. I did bring that up last week. So yeah, so Sean Dendo's uh, yes. <laughs> adventures continued. <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I gotta change. I gotta change your name in the intro to Sean Dendo for the next couple weeks. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So that's been happening. I, you know, now that I think about it, I may have told that on the on the comics pals. I'm not sure. I don't know if you did. You know, just just in case, tell the story again. Sure. If you've heard this before, just you know, sorry, listen to it for the next twenty seconds. So, <laughs> so I I decided to start up a playthrough because of what I just said, but also because my girlfriend has never seen the game. So I thought it would be cool if she got the opportunity to, you know, watch me play. Uh, and she's into watching me play games, so, you know, it works out. Um, so I'm at the the character creation screen, and I don't know what to name my character. Typically, I just name it my own name. Uh, but she's like, no, that's lame. So I'm like, okay. So I go through the randomizer, because that's always funny. And there's a bunch of names coming up. So one of them, one of them was Hondo Dendo. And we both... <laughs> We got a real kick out of that. So she's like, use use Dendo. And I'm like, all right, so what should the first name be? And she's like, just make it Sean. So I'm like, Sean Dendo, really? <laughs> she's like, yeah. So I was like, all right, fine. So we went with that. So I'm Sean Dendo. It. It's such a Star Wars name. It really yeah. is. Yeah, it's it's perfect, man. So you gotta you gotta like check in with us or just be like, all right, so here's what Sean Dendo's been up to this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sean Dendo is currently uh Holed up in an abandoned apartment building. Uh, okay. Hiding out on Terrace with Karth. Trying to avoid detection from the Sith. Uh, and attempting to rescue Basila. For those right. of you who never played the game, Terrace is a dirty, grimy world full of thieves and uh, con artists. So we're going to be trying to get around that. And uh, I think there's a pod race on the horizon. So I'll keep you guys posted. Legitimately, right after that is the farthest I've ever gotten in that game. What? Whoa, what? Yeah, yeah. Huh? I know. Like, I what? never, I never, I missed it on the Xbox, and I went back to play it when I was in college, and then, um, like, another game came out. You know, like something modern came out and like stole me away from it, and I just never got back to it. Pete, oh, you and me, we are done professionally. <laughs> 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 That's an old joke <laughs> from the slackcast, I, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, Sean. Have you ever? Do you know that bit? Oh, how could I? How could I not? That's my favorite. Oh, great! Oh my God, I'm yeah. so glad. I was gonna say you're a Batman fan. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> so yeah for for those listeners who don't know, there's this bit that it, it was this video that went like fucking viral, and then it was like a bit on the Game Grumps for a little while too of just so Christian Bale. Uh, it's I forget what movie he's Terminator filming. Salvation. Okay, it was Salvation. Um. And Christian Bale's there, and like he's doing a scene with uh, with Bryce Dallas Howard, and I and there's like this director of photography who's like apparently uh, allegedly right walking through his shot, and he just stops and just yells at this fucking guy and just berates him for like two minutes. And he's just like, "You and me are fucking dumb professionally, man." He's <laughs> like, "You're fucking walking through the back of my scene, like it's a fucking distracting." You should, oh my you should, god! Uh, it's it's fucking amazing. All right, my like, favorite, my favorite is when he's like, he's like, Big G, do you have something to say to this prick? <laughs> and Big G, the director. Big G's like, Big G's like, look, good vibes. All right, good vibes. 
I love how he's like, he's like, no, I get it. I understand. Yeah. He's like, no, no, you don't fucking get it. He or doesn't get it. On the set. <laughs> he doesn't look at him. He doesn't he get it. it. <laughs> he's like, he's like, do you want to take a walk? Christian Bell's like, no, I don't want to take a walk. He needs to stop walking. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, and he's like, and he's like, literally asked him two or three times. He's like, do you need to take a five? He's like, no, no, let's do the fucking scene. Let's go again. <laughs> Oh, that's a classic. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, please go watch it. I'll if if I remember, I'll link to it in the description <laughs> along with the news items. It's fucking classic. <laughs> oh man. On a more serious note, Sean, I have to ask you, what class did you pick for Nice Little Republic? So I went with Soldier. Okay. Okay. Cool. I, what are you gonna I, become? I'm so I'm I'm most likely gonna become a Jedi counselor. That's Ooh. what I always do. Which so I kind of feel like ah, should I do something different? But I don't know, man. No, I mean, it's, that's that's like a great run right there, you know? Yeah. Do you save your levels before you get to the uh, the Jedi stage? Yes. Okay. Pro, pro trick, man. I figured you would, <laughs> but I just like, I just had to bring that up because I was talking to another person I work with, uh, and he's like, he's a huge fan of the game, and, I'll, and he's like, man, I wish you could have more levels. I'm always level six soldier or whatever. And then I'm like, dude, just don't like cash him in, save him. And he's like, I was like, yeah, you get more Jedi levels, baby. Come on, you know. He's like, he's like a pro player, all the shit. And I just, I had to bring it up. <laughs> I learned, yeah, I learned that when I was uh, like, once I started going online to look, yeah, for, you know, tips right. and tricks. Yeah, so. I fucking love that game. Pete, play it. Come on. All right, all right, maybe I'll, I'll try to get around to it. I, I would say game I would love to double back to. I'm pretty sure I, I own a copy on Xbox, and I think I might have bought it on Steam with the intent of playing it again, but. You know, I love Bioware, so like I, I really should play it's it. It's Bioware at its best, their, man. Important part of their pedigree, man. Yeah. But all right, so that's gonna wrap it up for what we're playing this week. If you guys want to let us know what you're playing this week, you can write into the show and have your thoughts right on the air. Give us a random question of the week, or uh, just say hey by dropping us a line at our brand new email address, oh. the Video Game Pals at Gmail dot com. That's right, we officially have our own Gmail. Woo. Yes, we did we're it. Taking over. <laughs> that's right. No more second fiddle. Aww. Yeah, so again, if you want to write in, that's thevideogamepals at gmail.com. Uh, you can also follow our sister show, at the Comics Pals, wherever your social media is sold, to stay up to date on everything we have going on here at the Pals Network. If you are an audio listener, we would greatly appreciate it if you dropped us a like or a rating on your platform of choice. Or if you really want to help us out, you can bounce over to iTunes, where we are, where we are currently a five-star rated podcast, and uh, give us a rating over there. Uh, if you're over on um, YouTube, you can do us a solid and like this video and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. We've got a ton of exclusive content coming to YouTube in the months to come. So make sure you get it on the ground floor and uh, be alerted when it uh, when it comes out to you. And last but not least, the best thing you can do to help out the show is to share it with your pals so they can become our pals too. And with that, we actually have a bit of reader mail this week. Um, so... Reader mail is the time of the show where we like to read uh, emails, comments, uh, any of that stuff we get on uh, social media. So um, on a, a comment on you, over on YouTube from our episode about um, Vampire, it comes from Evan O'Brien who writes in and says, Unexplored territory. What the fuck? Y'all need to play Vampire the Masquerade. Please, I I've mentioned that game before. You know that. <laughs> so I know. I was going to say, I know Thompson's played that one. Yeah. So. Evan is a friend of mine, actually, and uh, I'm surprised he wrote in. But it's obvious he didn't listen to the episode because Thompson <laughs> actually does bring that game up. Say on it that in episode. that episode. Oh, man. <laughs> but, yeah, that's a great game. You should also play it, guys, if you have not played it. 
So what up, Evan? We're putting you on blast. You played it. <laughs> I, mean, I did. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I definitely. Oh, no, 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 it's the collective. Yeah. Week. Don't, <laughs> don't divide. Don't let him divide us. <laughs> don't let him divide. We stand united. <laughs> um, yeah, we no. stand united against his tyranny. <laughs> All right, so that's all the reading mail we've got for this week. If you guys want to write in again, remember you can write into us at thevideogamepals at gmail.com or comment on this video or podcast or wherever you're listening to it. I don't know where else you would be, but we'll find it. Send us a carrier pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to take us into our next rotating segment, which this week is going to be the random question of the week. Oh boy. I lost my voice. Oh, I really done. had to like phone it <laughs> He's out of steam. So. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> I need a break. I've been doing a lot of podcasting lately. So, Sean, you've got our random question this week, right? Why don't you take yes. it away? So, uh, all that talk about Knights of the Old Republic uh, inspired me to ask this question, which is, what is your favorite story in a game? So, we're not talking about gameplay necessarily, unless it relates to the story somehow. Uh, we're simply talking about the actual story within the game. Hmm. And just one game, right? <sighs> Not like a, a game, like a, a franchise that has Man, one arc. Just one game. Okay. That's a savage question. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Sean, why don't you go first? Oh, it's it's very difficult. Uh, so, my two favorite stories in gaming are the story of Knights of the Old Republic one and two, and because of that, I don't really know which one I prefer. So, just a little historical context for you guys. Uh, Knights of the Old Republic 2 is an unfinished game, actually. Uh, there's cut content, so the story isn't actually finished. There's a whole planet that's missing. Um, there are character arcs that are not completed. But the main sort of overarching storyline is the story of Kreia and your character, the Exile, and that is fleshed out fully and complete. And it's phenomenal. Probably the deepest story in Star Wars ever. Uh, and Kreia being maybe my favorite Star Wars character, aside from Revan, from Knights of the Old Republic Part 1. Uh, I think, nostalgically, I would have to go with Knights of the Old Republic Part 1. But objectively, for me, in terms of which one's better, and which one just grabs me more philosophically, Knights of the Old Republic 2. So that's my answer. Knights, Knights 2. Solid choice. <clears throat> um, yeah, for me, this is really hard, dude. You know, like, uh, story-driven games, I think I said last week for our buy or sell, right? Like, story-driven games are my bread and butter. And, like, when you ask this question, there are so many that come to mind that are games that I would be totally comfortable with naming as my answer. You know, like, just off the top of my head, you know, my mind immediately went to uh, Dragon Age Origins, Mass Effect 2, um, Red Dead Redemption, uh, uh, the original season of The Walking Dead, Dishonored. Um, there are like a lot of really great narratives and games that um, have really, or Bioshock, like holy shit, you know, like that have really, really stuck with me and and um, and left an impression. Uh, but I, I think if I really had to pick one, I think I'd pick Dragon Age Origins. Um, Dragon Age is among my favorite franchises. I love a good fantasy setting. Um, that's always been one of my preferred mediums for, for, you know, fantasy storytelling is swords and sorcery. 
and uh, I love the world that Dragon Age is set in. Um, I love the way that it it takes or borrows from you know things like Tolkien lore and even like things like Warhammer and stuff like that, and recontextualizes them in a way that feels very fresh. But I think the thing that really nails it for me is like I mean I've played that game more more times than most other games, but the gameplay itself is not very good. Like, if it wasn't for how good the story is and how I, much I love the characters and the setting and the world, I wouldn't have played it all those times. You know, I wouldn't have cared to go through all those permutations because it's not that engaging of a game on a, just a mechanical level. So I think that's, like, got to take it for me just because it's, it's a game that stuck with me because of its story. It's a solid pick. Shout out to Uncharted 2, though. All of them. The whole thing. Nathan Drake is a fucking... He's our Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm like in the same boat though. I I have so many picks um, across so many platforms of gaming. Um, oh my god, Life is Strange! I forgot. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> There's another one. Yeah, uh, and I'm not even done with that game, and I'm, I love it already. So, um, but uh, honestly, I think I'd have to go with The Last of Us. Just, I mean, it it has like everything that I love about. Um, story-driven games and like you know for, like it's not first person obviously but the narrative driven game that it has uh like like you know pete said uncharted also it's it's very uncharted feel the way it plays too um but this but the story has always captivated me like from the beginning of that game um like the first you know um maybe five minutes uh i was hooked you know just because i wanted to know more about everything and I, I i always found myself in that game even up to the very end saying like i want to know more about like the world and about the people and about everything that was because you only get to see what you get to see and it alludes to so much stuff and it has already got such a full story that just seeing what you get to see is uh is great but you know it really hooked me it really like dug its claws into me and i still play that game like every now and then that's a big thing for me honestly man is like having a game world that feels lived in yeah yeah because like I mean, like, and it doesn't have to be that, right? Because, like, Life is Strange exists or uh, succeeds, I think, because it does the opposite of that. It does such a good job of presenting a very, very small world that is just very full. But, like, the thing that always spoke to me about Bioware games and spe uh, specifically, in specifically, in particular, uh, <laughs> was that, like, both the worlds of Dragon Age and Mass Effect, like, it's one of the only game series where I've ever, like, read all the Codex entries. Oh, you know, yeah, Because it's definitely. like, I want to know the history. You know, like, I know about all the different ages in the Dragon Age universe. And, like, I read about the first Contact Wars in Mass Effect because they're fucking interesting. Yeah, I know. You know, and, like, I love that world and just how deep and, like, that there was, like, I, just the idea that there was, like, a team of writers that sat around and thought about, well, what happened 5,000 years before the game? You know, like, <laughs> I love that. I love that kind of storytelling, you know? Like, that was what spoke to me so much about Horizon. I still want to that, play that like, game, man. I like Ugh. playing Horizon. There was this amazing narrative set in the modern world where where Aloy was, but then there was also this this um, uh, parallel narrative about our our like era of humanity and why it ended and what was Project Zero Dawn and why did all the humans die and everything. And it was just like drip fed in such a way that was it's so interesting. And even though I had all my answers about the past or all my questions about the past answer, I have so many more questions about the rest of the world. Mm. And like, that's perfect. You know, like there's a sandbox I can't wait to go play more in, you know, because they put that time in. 
But all right, so that's going to be our random question for this week. Again, if you want to send in your own random question, drop us a line at thevideogamepals at gmail.com. So, I guess that means it's time for... The news! The news! We're talking about the news! The news! The news! We're talking about the news! All right, we've got five items on the news list this week, and we're going to unfortunately be kicking off the news today with a very sad report which is that this past week, Corey Gaspar, or Gasper, excuse me, who is a designer of Bioware known for his work on Mass Effect 2, 3, and Dragon Age Origins, and the company's upcoming game Anthem, has passed. Uh, Corey was with the studio for over a decade, first working on the Nintendo DS title Sonic Chronicles, The Dark Brotherhood, which was a partnership with Bioware and Sega. Um, up until, like I said, he was um, the uh, one of the lead di- directors on uh, on Anthem until his, uh, the time of his passing. So uh, Bioware honored Corey with a post on the company's blog, writing, It is with great sadness that we announced the passing of our friend and colleague, Corey Gasper. He was a member of our team for over nine years and worked as a designer on many of our titles, including Sonic Chronicles, Dragon Age Origins, Mass Effect 2 and 3, and most recently, Anthem. Corey was a talented designer and an even better person. We offer our condolences to Corey's family and everyone that knew him. We will miss you. Uh, and then they also had a little PS that said, Family and friends have set up a fund to support Corey's young son, Kane. If you'd like to donate, you can do so here. We will include that link in the description down below. So if you have the money um, and you're a fan of Bioware, and uh, you know, please uh, reach out and uh, support for uh, give support for Corey's family. So, you know, uh, this kind of news is always, it's always tragic um, to lose someone before their time. And uh, especially an artist who, you know, had uh, such a big impact on, you know, games I was just talking about as some of my favorites of all time. So, um, yeah, this news was was definitely really sad to hear. So our uh, thoughts and prayers are with, uh, with Corey and his family. Yeah, that's awful. Especially, it's so tragic that he had finally, um, after all this time, worked his way up to senior designer and was getting to put all this work into Anthem and that he's not going to get to see it done. You know, it's really, it's really a shame. Oh man, that, yeah, holy shit, that's really terrible, like, you know, you put your, your heart and soul into something, and you don't get to see that project through to completion. At the same time, you know, the cool thing about being someone who's creative and, and working on projects like that, or any other project that's creative, is that they outlast you, no matter when you die, right? Right. And so that's, so he's got a legacy, and, and that's something really special. And not everybody gets right. Yeah, I mean, no, not everybody gets that uh, that luxury, you know. And that, like, even though that Corey's gone, like his work will live on, you know. And that he's responsible for, you know, um, he was one of the the like primary um, combat designers on Mass Effect two and three, um, you know. And it's just like he'll he'll always be remembered for for one of the finest uh, trilogies in gaming's history. So, you know, that's uh, that's pretty cool. That's a pretty serious achievement. So. Again, um, please check out the link down below if you've got the money to go donate to, uh, to Corey's family and support his son, Kane. Um, we'd greatly appreciate it. So, uh, moving on to some happier news. Uh, item number two on the list is Atlas and P Studio have announced a slew of new Persona spinoff titles. And I'm really sad that Andy isn't here this week. Oh. <laughs> wow. Yeah, perfect news for him. Yeah, we will do our best to uh, to carry on his legacy here, and uh, we'll we'll talk about these games, even though I'm sure we'll be missing some context from uh, from the Weeb King himself. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we'll get through them. So uh, much like they did for the incredibly popular Persona Four, the studios are releasing a new pair of Persona Dancing spinoff games: Persona Three Dancing Moon Knight and Persona Five Dancing Star Knight for PlayStation Four and PlayStation Vita next year. Uh, with both games being scheduled currently for a Japanese release in, like, spring 2018. 
Uh, so there isn't much information available about these games other than that they're being developed by the same team behind the popular Persona 4 Dancing All Night, which was the previous Persona Dancing spinoff title on the Vita. Uh, and then the release of two trailers showing the game's lead characters jamming out to some Persona remixes. So these are just legitimately, like, you know, super basic rhythm games that have Persona characters and use the soundtracks to Persona games with, like, DJ Club remixes. And it's the funniest thing in the world that these are a thing. And they're apparently really good, like, if you like rhythm games, you know? <laughs> so, if you guys like uh, Persona or anime and you, you're missing that Guitar Hero fix, maybe these are for you. Check them out. <laughs> I'm sure Andy will play at least one of them. <laughs> How do you not know he's already playing? <laughs> <laughs> he already has a build. That's why he's not here. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, so then in addition to that, Atlas also announced the existing of another upcoming Persona spinoff title, Persona Q2, for the 3DS. The company gave very few details about the game other than a promotional image, uh, but a teaser website for the game hints that Persona Q2 will be based on Persona 5. Uh, so again, for those of you who don't know, the previous game in that series, uh, Persona Q, Shadow of the Labyrinth, was uh, a game that featured the full cast of Persona 3 and Persona 4. They've all been like pulled from their... Uh, like perspective timelines or whatever and then are set in an isolated dimensional pocket that sends them to a replica of persona 4's yasogami high school so it's kind of like a what if we had persona 4 but we mash up all the characters from persona 3 and persona 4 and make it more convoluted <laughs> what so it's like all right but like so I, I don't know like i wish andy was here to speculate on this i don't know if that means that they're gonna do this game with just the persona 5 characters or like no no they'll, they'll have to add like fours in and maybe threes as well and especially if they're adding the dance spin off for four uh, for three and five they're probably gonna you know you'd think that they would put the at least the persona 3 characters in there yeah i mean at least that but probably fours because four was probably a more popular game i think you know yeah i feel like three is the one that's like the cult hit yeah. that everyone like says is the best one if you're like a diehard fan and then four is the one that everybody actually played and everyone decidedly says is the best one right. until persona 5 came out and they're like well maybe this one's the best one i don't know yeah <laughs> so <laughs> um but yeah so i mean you know obviously we're not the three on this show to really talk to too much about this and we'll have to get andy to comment on them next week when he comes back but uh I mean, this is pretty interesting news. I mean, I know Persona 4 Dancing All Night was, like, a big fucking deal uh, for, like, that kind of game. So I'm sure that there's a fervent fan base out there for these dancing games. And uh, Persona Q is apparently really good. So maybe Persona Q2, I'm sure, will follow in that same vein. Atlas doesn't put their stamp on crap. So get hyped, Persona fans. <laughs> All right. So item number three on the list is um, Sony's PS4 seems... <clears throat> Ooh. <laughs> A little frogger in my throat. Ew. Oh my god. Ha cha cha. <laughs> Alright, so Sony's PS4 seems to be unstoppable. As of June 30th, the PS4 reached 63.3 million consoles sold. Wow. Dwarfing even their closest competitor, the Xbox One. So that's that's a pretty crazy number. What do you guys think about that? <laughs> that wow. is a lot of fucking consoles. <laughs> I think it's earned it. I think uh, Sony has done a great job with the PS4. Um, I think they got a lot of flack for PS3 and the pricing and everything else. 
and just how they handled things for a yeah. while too like there that was a there was a very like there was a bullishness about sony coming into the ps3 of like well we're we made the ps2 you'll buy the ps3 right and i don't think that they had their finger on the pulse of the, the consciousness of where gaming was going at that time it was definitely going more towards casual gaming that was when i think that was when that kind of started and you're not going to yeah. get a casual gamer to spend i don't even know what i don't remember what it costs like seven eight hundred dollars something like that six or seven eight hundred dollars i think at launch it was yeah. six i got one <laughs> yeah i got i got one too i just it's been so damn long now um and i i just think that they've always had games they've always had the ability to pump out content that people like but if i'm remembering correctly the launch uh gaming the launch games weren't amazing um on ps4 ps3 oh on ps3 yeah it was soft we had resistance Fallen resistance Man. which is one of my favorite games good. ever yeah, one of my favorite games of all time yeah but that was kind of it yeah, I remember day one. That was all I had. That was pretty much all I played for the longest time. So I feel like for PS4, they've just—I don't know, man. It's just been—it's been smooth, you know. Like the ride has been smooth the whole way through, and I'm just really pleased with what they've offered. Um, and I'm not surprised by this at all, to be honest. I'm really not. No, I mean, I—I I think personally, I've been really confident that this was that Sony was going to take it back ever since that February 2014 or 2013 press conference that they did in New York. You know where they came out and they were like hat in hand, look, we know we made some mistakes with the PS3, PS4, it's about games, it's about gamers, it's cheaper than the Xbox, it's more powerful. Here's the games we have planned for it. Get hyped. Yeah. Yeah. And like that messaging has been consistent and clear. And I think it's people have responded to it, you know, and they're at the point now where it snowballed. You know, the PS4 won in the beginning and then it did what the Xbox 360 did, where it became the de facto console. If you're buying a console this stage in the game, you're probably going to get a PS4. Everyone has one. It's got more exclusives. It's cheaper. Why wouldn't you get it? Yeah. I think you just said I think you just said it all. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> um. So, yeah, I mean, just before we get into the rest of this news story, I mean, congratulations to Sony on this one. I mean, hats off because the PS4 is doing gangbusters man um it's and it's a great ecosystem to be a part of frankly you know like uh it's definitely you know it's it's where i like to game if i have the option you know like as much as um the switch is increasingly taking more and more of my time for sure uh i love playing on my ps4 you know it's a great great little unit so one of the things i just for context with this new number coming out uh the ps4 has officially pulled ahead of the nes Ooh, in lifetime wow. sales Shit. yeah so the NES uh, topped out at 61.91 million. So we're 2 million ahead already. Do you know how many uh, units the PlayStation 2 sold? Yes. The PS2 is uh, the greatest selling console of all time with over 155 million. Mm. That's a hefty number to beat. Yeah. <laughs> don't think we'll ever hit the PS2. Yeah. But I, I don't know, man. Like, because the PS4 shows no sign of slowing down, right? Like, um,. There's a little bit more. Some of the notes, I'll, I'm going to jump around in the notes I have here. So it's interesting because, like I said, there's really no no signs of it slowing down. Like we said last week, uh, how Nintendo hopes to move 10 million Switches before the end of their first fiscal year, right? Which is somewhat probably mitigated by their inability to get the screens they need. Like, I'm sure that number would be higher. Um, but uh, in in that same time frame, uh, Sony's projecting to sell 18 million PS4s. Hmm. which is a console that's you know three years old 
So it's not that new freshness that everyone's talking about. It's just people are still fucking buying this thing because there's a reason to, you know? Do they count the pro sales into that as PS4 sales? Just Yes. All- yeah, they. I think it's just bundled it's as all, like yeah. PS4 family. Okay, fair yeah, enough. Same yeah. thing with Xbox. So, I mean, that wouldn't, you um, know, that, that would definitely inflate the number a little bit. But like, you know, that might see more headway later on in a few years. They might see the lifetime of this console extended now. You know what I mean? We might be able to see something like break 100 million sales you know or console sales i think it's definitely possible yeah um and and like that's what's interesting right is you know to think about where this is going to land ultimately um so just real quick to give you guys a little bit more context before we we really you know do this little bit of uh speculation here is that um so microsoft doesn't report sales for the xbox anymore for xbox (laughs) one which is not totally uncommon if you're getting your lunch eaten that's what you do ps3 Famously, for a long time, didn't tout their numbers until they finally caught up. <laughs> um, but the best estimates about Xbox One uh, put the family of consoles somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 million units sold. So we're talking about half the install base, wow. which is respectable. It is. But it's a lot, but yeah, it's half. So It's nowhere close. Didn't it have like an extra year also? No, it came out a month later. A month later. Oh wait, was a, that was yeah. or maybe year. it was a week later. It was a little bit later. I remember PS4 launched. That was the PS3 uh, era. Like a I'm handful thinking about. of days before it. Yeah, Xbox uh, 360. I think had a year it on did, PS3, yeah. which was a big part of it. I, I have a question. Um, shoot, I, I forgot my question. Actually, what's <laughs> 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 my life? <laughs> oh gosh, uh, get back to me. I guess if I if I can remember. All right, yeah, we'll stick a pin in that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, like, there's not too much to comment on here other than just, like, how, how incredible this is, frankly, but, um, I just wanted to ask, like, where do you guys think this is ultimately gonna land on the list of best-selling consoles, right? So again, just for context, right now we're at 63 million, and, uh, it is, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, okay, so it's currently the 11th best-selling console of all time, if you include handhelds. So the next uh, next thing it's coming up on is the 3DS, which is currently at uh, 67 mm. million units. Okay. Which obviously that number will probably go up a little bit more before we see final lifetime sales as well. But uh, I mean, by the end of this year, if Sony's projections are on, they'll have eclipsed that number. So the next thing behind that is uh, PlayStation Portable uh, PSP at 82 million. Right beyond that is uh, PlayStation 3 at 83.8 million, Xbox 360 with 84 million, and then the next gap is like Wii, 101 million, PlayStation, 102 million, Game Boy Color, Game Boy, uh, 118 million, DS, 154, and PS2 over 155. So, real quick, before that, we're talking about worldwide sales, right? Yeah, yeah, this is all markets. That's very interesting. So with the Xbox, we know that they don't have a great foothold in in Japan, right? They don't almost any yeah, like yeah. pretty much any market that's not America is right. really not healthy for Xbox. So then with that being and being basically a a North America only or a US only console because no one else outside of here is buying it to that high degree, those numbers are decent. They're solid, right? Um, yeah, thirty million is nothing to sneeze at. Like that's fine for sure. But I, w- I, I am, I'm, I'm kind of interested because overall, a hundred million people doesn't seem like that many people when you consider how many people there are in the world. So it's kind of interesting how we're talking about like, wow, that's such a huge number. Um, 
or 60 million or 30 or whatever but in real in reality that's like not that crazy i mean like it's interesting because like and we're going to talk about this a little bit when we get into the uh main topic but like i feel like as gaming gets more mainstream it makes sense for those numbers to go up yeah yeah you would think so uh to answer your question i think that i think that they want these console generations quote unquote because now that's even kind of like a dirty term uh to last way longer right than than normal and have like smaller iterations in between it's it's that seems to be what they're thinking of by offering these like premium consoles but it's interesting because you do hit a um there's like a plateau yeah. right like this was discussed a lot last gen where the last generation the only reason that it lasted as long as it did was because of the uh great recession you know and the, there was just a clear consensus among the video game community that like people can't afford new consoles right now so we are going to extend the lifetime of these consoles and that's not that shouldn't be the expectation with these consoles like as a manufacturer you definitely want to extend the life of your console longer if you can but in the same breath like new hardware moves better units it uh it is better for developers so it's like you do have this kind of like point where yeah you do want it to be you want to extend it as long as you can until you don't right i i think that the ps4 has a great chance of becoming probably not the best selling game console ever because i think that with the ps2 that was a special time that was really just a, a revolution in gaming and it sold for years afterwards like they produced the ps2 right up until about the end of the ps3's life cycle yeah and then on top of that it was a dvd player for people which yep. was massive there were people we talked about this on a prior episode there are people who bought it that weren't gamers because it was a dvd player and then maybe had their kids play games or they turned into gamers based on that so yep. many reasons nowadays i don't think that that's as prevalent um but that being said i think between the ps pro which is causing people who have some expendable cash and already have a ps4 to jump on board and get and get the upgrade people who never bought the ps4 who now feel like it's the time because there's something brand new out there and people who, who are still buying the regular ps4 there's there's every opportunity for this to become probably, in my opinion, maybe the great, the second greatest selling console of all time. I honestly don't think that's as crazy as it used to seem. Like, I, I could see it hitting 100 million units like the Wii. I don't think that's crazy. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I could see it hitting, like, top three. Um, I don't know, maybe two, but definitely. I mean, it's got to break 84 million to hit the top three. I think it will do that for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm not saying it will. I don't know if it's gonna get to the top two though, uh, the second best. I don't think it'll ever beat the PS2. Or no, excuse me. I'm sorry. If it breaks eighty, it would be the fifth best selling. Well, what's the if you're including what's handles. the th top third or the third? The top four is PS2, mm -hmm. Nintendo DS, the Game Boy Family, PlayStation One, and then Wii. So to beat uh Wii, it needs to get one past one hundred one point six three, and that would make it the fifth best selling console. Hmm. Well, I think it's gonna break a hundred. I'm pretty confident in that at the very least 100 million units, but uh, I don't know where it's really going to land in the long run because I don't know how like how much how much more people want to buy these. You know, in, the long, in a few years, like we we will have people everyone's got one and stuff unless you unless it really breaks. You know, it's like well, families will have them and stuff, and also the Switch is out now too, and there's other sales. You know, the thing the thing that's interesting though, and Sean brought this up as much as we've been 
making fun of it and everything since it came out, there's a good chance that if the PS4's life cycle lasts another three-ish years... Yeah, I know. Which but you can't, is possible. You can't see, like, these record sales in, in the next three years, though. No, no, no. Well, eh, I mean, if they sell another 18 million this year, right, that's their goal. Right. Or not another, but they top out at 18 million from the 3.3 they've already sold or whatever. Yeah. If they do that every year for the next few years, like, they hit that number. And, like, that's going to go down. But, like, what I was going to say was the thing that Sean brought up is, like, if the PS3, if PS4's life cycle lasts another two or three years to the point where 4K TVs become even half more prevalent than they are right now. And a third of everyone who owns a PS4 buys the PS4 Pro. Yeah, it's a big deal then. Yeah, absolutely. That That moves that needle. For sure. Yeah, yeah. If if 4K television became more affordable within the next, you know, couple years. Which, like, it probably will. Yeah. And there wasn't a PS5 on the horizon for the next couple of years after that. Right. Then yeah. I would buy a PS Pro. But I won't do it. And I think that this is probably what a lot of other gamers would think, too, is, okay, two years from now, if there's rumblings about a PS5, I'm not buying a PS Pro and upgrading. Right, you know? right, absolutely. But if if I know for sure I've got some years to get out of that, then absolutely I will. And that's where you'll see a spike. Yeah, like if the PS4, like again, and we shouldn't assume this, but if it has a similar life cycle as the PS3, eight years, that's a lot. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so item number four on the list is uh, because this was a slow news week, let's look at some more numbers. <laughs> hey, what are you talking about? It's not slow. We got all this riveting mathematical shit. There's a guy out there who like listens to this and he just goes for statistics and shit and he's just like hard right now. So. Yeah, his name's Marco. <laughs> Our resident number file. Uh, yeah, so um, numbers from this year's Casual Connect convention in Seattle show that Steam has added 1.5 million new users every month for the last 18 months. Ooh. <laughs> Damn. Right. That's fucking crazy. When you really, like, when you think about how many new Steam users that is. So, uh, Valve has stopped bragging about, like, how many Steam users there are, like, years ago. So we don't really hear about what the numbers are like, you know, usually for Steam. So whenever we get a peek at them, it's, like, pretty special. So GeekWire.com attended the convention and snapped a few pictures of Valve's, like, presentation. They had a slideshow. Uh, You can check out the link down below with the rest of our news items and uh, get a peek at it if you want to check it out for yourself. But I'm just going to give you some of the interesting takeaways besides that number. So uh, Valve's Tom Ghirardino... Tom Gear, that's an Italian name. I should be able to get that one. Uh, he said that Steam added 27 million first-time purchasers since January 2016. Wow. So that's big number. Uh, so the service is averaging 14 million peak concurrent daily users, which is up from 8.4 million, which is the last time we got a, a check-in on that number in 2015. So in two years, they've uh, almost tripled. Uh, or not tripled, almost doubled that number. Um... And then part of this increase is being attributed to a major influx of users from Asia. Uh, so that region has already accounted for 17% of Steam's sales overall in 2017. Um, and that's like a brand new market for them, basically. Uh, and then Steam's monthly user base continues to climb 
as well, with Giordano saying that it was hovering around 67 million so far this year, which is tracking uh, pretty well above Xbox Live, which is at 53 concurrent users daily. Wow. So um, I just kind of want to throw this out there again. Like, does this number shock you guys? Okay, so I'm I'm kind of not well-versed in, in Steam and in buying games online if it's not Blizzard. Because I don't do that. <laughs> so yeah. I need I need a little more context. So I understand that Steam lets you buy various kinds of games directly through them. That's yes. all it is, right? Yeah. Okay. So if I wanted to buy, let's say, for example, Knights of the Old Republic, I could buy it through Steam. But if I didn't want to buy it through Steam for whatever strange reason, where would I even do that? Is there like... Can you do that? Some, some things, but more likely than not, you're not going to find it at this point. It depends, because yeah. it's like their websites like um, GOG, goodoldgames.com, uh, that are that tout themselves as an alternative to Steam, because um, the way that Steam, like Steam license game, licenses games, so like, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard the term DRM thrown yes. around, so uh, Steam is DRM licensed so like if you own a game on steam and for whatever reason uh a publisher like decides that they want to break their contract with valve or whatever and take their games off steam they can do that and you would lose access to a game but after um, 250 games in my library it's never once happened to me and i've been a user yeah, for like over like nine happen. years so it, but it, it could it could it's never once happened to me though right so then uh a, a service like gog uh, is DRM free, so you're actually just buying the game. Got you. <laughs> like if you bought it on Xbox or or whatever, right? Like having yeah. a physical copy, almost. It's the same right. thing as having one, yeah. Right, and then the difference is that Steam also has like community infrastructure. Like that Steam has like you have a friends list. You can play online with your friends through Steam and have Steam chat. And you know, um, there's a really robust rating system. You know that like updates and like a really nifty thing that they do is. Um, in the comment section and rating and everything, you're only allowed to rate a game uh, if you've actually played it. And it tells, when you read someone's rating, it tells you how many hours they've played the game. Wow. Someone can't play a game for 20 minutes and say, oh, it's bullshit, don't buy it. I mean, it. there are people that do that. But yeah, <laughs> but you can easily sniff that out and be like, fuck that. Yeah, right. You, you know, look like, for a guy that's got like a like 100 or so in something, you know. There's people who have like right. reviews and they're like, you know, topping 4,000 hours in a game and they're just like, it's bad. And it's like 4,000 hours, you know, and it's obviously a joke, but you know that the guy played it for 4,000 hours for a reason, you know? Right. So, um, and then another thing that they do is like, it shows you lifetime uh, reviews of a game and then recent reviews. So like if a game has been really good and then they, uh, there's a current patch that's right. really bad. Yeah, you'll see that you'll score see, like oh, super I don't negative. Oh, buy this game, it's broken right now. Right. You know, or if a game really sucked and then all of a sudden everyone's saying, oh, no, it's really good. Maybe they patched it and fixed it. OK, um, so that curation is a big part of the appeal of Steam and then sales because right. Steam sales, sales are, are fucking just incredible. fucking phenomenal. So with that in mind, this isn't a surprise at all because yeah. it's so much more value than what you get on on Xbox Live or whatever, like so many classic games that you can't necessarily find anywhere else like you guys are saying a community of people that makes it easy to decipher what's worth purchasing or what isn't mm -hmm. people to talk to about your game that you can't necessarily do on like xbox live like and it's all in one place 
and I say Xbox Live, but I'm also referring to the other, like, PlayStation Network or whatever, you know, this is, this is like the, this is what they wish those other things could be, you know? Kind of, yeah, I agree. so, so in my mind, it's not a surprise at all. I also want to bring up something you brought up, Pete, earlier too. He said, like, access to the Asian market is 17% of the sales. And, like, wow, that's big and all that. In 2017. In 2017, right. I, I, that, that's, like, that's obviously big. That's a, that's a big number. And it is access to a new market. So that number is going to keep growing as well. But I think, too, going even further back, saying that, like, we had a recession recently, you know, we're coming out of that and stuff. And tech parts are cheaper. You know, computers are relatively cheaper than they used to be, you know? Like, you can get something really hardcore, really awesome for... Less and less money. Right, and and even laptops have caught up to the point where they can play games, you know? So we see things like an easier market, more people having access to the service alone. You know, people saying at the, you know, well, maybe my computer or my laptop that I just got from school can play this, and it can, you know? And a lot of games, uh, you know, haven't, haven't really taken advantage of, like, you know, like, the new, like, Crisis 3 engine or all that shit, you know? They're just games, you know? And, like, Steam has has those. Yeah, so many Steam games are just indies right. that don't need you to have a crazy, powerful right. computer to play them. So you'll see, like, you know, fr- like, we have friends that have only recently gotten Steam, like, this year, like, our, our friend Matt, and he, like, can only play, like, a couple of games because his laptop isn't great. But he can play, like, Civ Five, you know? And he just got that. And so I'm not really shocked at all by this huge number, and I'm, I'm surprised even it's as... It's like lower than I thought it would be. To be honest with you, it's a it's a huge number. I just feel like at this point, like like what Sean was saying, there really is nothing better. You know, it's like I'm I really am surprised that more people haven't caught on to it. You know, absolutely. I mean, I think more important people are though, and I think yeah. um, the example you just gave of uh, of our friend Matt is is a very salient one because I think that's a big part of this number too. Is that I think more and more gamers as gaming becomes bigger and more popular. I think more and more gamers are just playing on more platforms. I think you have a lot less people who are like platform exclusive. You know, I feel like a lot more people are like becoming platform agnostic mm-hmm. uh, as as gaming becomes more and more popular. Because you know, if you're if you're intimately into video games, like if you partake in like the conversation around games in general, like it's hard for you to be someone who's on console and see everyone talking about like something like League or Pub. Or, you know, one of these big, or Overwatch, you know, well, Overwatch is on console. I mean, hey, that's but, a great example, dude, Pub, seriously, there's like how many players now, right? There's like million, yeah. right? Or some shit, I don't know, how many copies, you know? Six, no, six million. six million, they broke six That million. has to be six million Steam people, you know, right right there. Like, you know, that that's like pretty much, like, that's, that's you know, maybe there's gifts and all that, but you gotta make a freaking account to accept the gift, so it's like, <laughs> that's, that's right, new accounts right. right there, and this year alone from that one game, you know? And I, I definitely, I think that's a big part of it is that I think more and more people are just getting invested in PC as an ecosystem because, I mean, PC is also just a lot more viable than it's ever been, yeah, yeah. you know, like, I mean, like, it's a vibrant, vibrant ecosystem right now. And it wasn't always that way no, like no, before. I, I think, you know, like if you think about where PC gaming was at in the pre-Steam era, Dark times, my friend. Dark times. It was dead. Yeah. You know, like there was, you, know, you had a few games that came out on PC a year and like, and then maybe you got a couple shitty ports, yeah, but yeah. like it wasn't, it wasn't what it is. I never even considered myself a console gamer until the PC market died so hard that I just had to play things on console. Like I was exclusively a PC gamer for most of my life, even though I had like a Super Nintendo and shit, you know, but it really did die. Like I was lucky if I got like, like you said, a couple games a year. I mean, I used to go to the GameStop and it would be like the PC shelf was like five games. It was like a rack. It was like, like a, one a little shelf. tiny rack. It was a chunk yeah. of a shelf. It was sad, you know? And it was mostly just copies of WoW. 
Yeah, yeah, seriously, actually, it really was. I remember that. Or it was like a, it was like a, like you know the Starcraft you know game, or like maybe it was like a Blizzard game on the shelf too, because they always sold, you know. But the, you know, but other like WoW product, yeah. So speaking of Steam numbers, our favorite little indie this year, a game called Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, has broke five hundred thousand concurrent players. Yeah. So uh, that actually made it briefly edge out Counter Strike Go uh, as the uh, second most popular game on Steam during that time period. Wow. Uh, yeah, which is huge because save for Dota Two, Counter Strike has been the most popular game on Steam pretty much forever. I I was reading. Uh... Also, that they said, like, basically, uh, Player Unknown Battlegrounds at this point almost has more players on than Counter Strike goes at any at pretty much any given time. Like, based on like, you know, just if there's like something going on for Counter Strike, you know. But like, it's so many fucking people play this game, and it's like it's almost beaten the record for Counter Strike. Go, that's that's fucking. It's like it's so close, dude. Like, it's unbelievable. Yeah. So Pub actually peaked at five hundred and twenty-three concurrent players. Like, that's the biggest number they've had so far. Uh, which CSGO's record is only 546. 23,000 more to go, which I totally believe it's going to do. Yeah, oh, definitely. Like, that's the thing, right? Is like, this is, like, a big deal for any game to be this high on the list. But when you think about the fact that Pub is, like, a few months old, like, and uh, it's not even out of early access yet, like, that's huge. Yeah. You know, that it's competing with a game that's, like, a juggernaut like CSGO. Yeah. I, like, that speaks volumes about, like, where Pub is right now in terms of popularity and, like, it doesn't show any signs of slowing down. Yeah, the uh, the content, the patches, everything about them have been have been incredible, too. Like, every one that comes out is something really solid. Like, every just, like, even getting a new gun, you know? There was only, like, say, like, you know, oh, we had, like, two pistols, we had three rifles. It's like, not anymore, we got a lot of shit now, you know? And it changes up the drop rates and stuff, too. Everything, like, right? changes. Like, fun, like, not, like, at its core, the game doesn't change, but, like, that, those modes haven't come out yet, and it will change. It's just constantly <laughs> getting better. You know, yeah. it's it's a game that's making really good use of its early access time to improve itself, and, like, it has a ton of attention, and it hasn't fumbled it, you know? Like, they're fixing, like, oh, like, we're going to fix the way the, the, with the thing with the way cars span, spawn and shit like that because people complained about it. And, like, they have a very direct connection with their audience, and they're fostering it in a good way. And uh, like you said, they're constantly rolling out patches and new content. Yeah. Like we just got those FPS uh, dedicated servers because people wanted them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Which are a blast. Have, um, <laughs> yeah, right? It's like I know you were really hyped about those. And then like we have um, the zombie shit coming out later this year. You know, like there's new maps coming. Cars make beeps just... now. You got horns, baby. That's what I've been asking for <laughs> for how long? Come on. Simple. We patched simple horns, thing. Fam. The game's done. It's like it leave early access. Um, so I mean, this is great, and, and I think that it just shows that like pub is here to stay. I think I don't, I don't, I think it's definitely going to be more than a passing trend. Um, or because I, you just don't see a game blow up like this and stop unless it starts to suck. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like, like really bad. <laughs> and, it's, and again, like the game is in early access. Like this is probably the worst it's ever going to be, and it's great. <laughs> yeah, so, it's a good way to look at it. God bless him, man. Uh, Player unknown is in a great, great position. Um, so that's going to wrap it up for the news this week and take us into our meat and potatoes discussion. You know, so all the, all this number talk this week while I was putting the show together, uh, has me thinking about how like truly massive video gaming has become, you know, like since we were kids Oh, and, uh, the games used to be a very niche thing. And I think like they, they used to just be a lot smaller than they used to be. And, and you didn't have the same level of like mass media penetration that I think you see now. And, uh, it, you know, it seems like we're at this point where there's kind of a game for everyone 
and that like there's a seemingly infinite number of of little micro communities you know like we talked about with like pub or or games like rocket league that are still fucking going or these massive games like fucking league or dota or whatever um that like they just there seems to be an infinite number of them that can just crop up and survive because there's so many people playing games you know uh, and, and I guess like so. What I'm, what I wanted to ask you guys is, as gaming becomes more mainstream, how how do you think the gamer culture is going to evolve? Do you think that there will always be uh, a hardcore contingency of players that really like are the ones driving the industry, uh, or do you think that the medium is going to ever hit that level of like mass market that like something like television or film has you know where even if there are the hardest of the hardcore whatever like film junkies that like you know everybody sees movies everybody sees tv shows and most people don't think of themselves as like oh yeah like i identify as a movie fan you know what i mean not in that same way anyway um or do you think it's already gotten to that point oh i think it's already gotten to that point actually i mean south korean president ran a campaign ad where he used um starcraft right and they they spelled his name out um through building stuff in the game with like minerals and stuff and it was like a it was like a two minute ad where he played starcraft and he spelled his name like you know him like i'm running for president i mean south korea is obviously an exception but that's a fair market to show that like how it can take over how you're speculating for the future like what how it affects the people and everything because that is fundamentally part of their culture that is who they are it's part of their campaign ads even so if you want to take any sort of look at what's going to happen to like you know um western culture or anywhere that games are very prevalent and make sales you don't really have to look any further than south korea i mean i see game ads on tv you know like you know when i was growing up you know you didn't see shit you know what i mean you had like a magazine for it you know you didn't or like they're on like you know nickelodeon or whatever yeah i mean but so like you see regularly see commercials for video games nowadays you know you saw everything that gets like is, is huge i mean not player unknown gets like a commercial but things like world of warcraft expansions get commercials and like mass effect had commercials and stuff you know people advertise on tv and if it's if it's already on that that medium you know like um it's it's more likely to you know stay in that area and, and get bigger and bigger and the more accessible games become you know people you know he like said too people don't identify as gamers and shit but i think a lot of people play like candy crush and weird phone games that i don't consider games really but but they are games you know but they're playing video right. games right and everybody's gonna have their own little thing that they like and that's fine and there's definitely gonna be the hardcore people too but i think it's interesting though you brought this up and i, I want to just make this counterpoint to play devil's advocate and then turn it over to sean but um, so you brought up the the example of sports, and I wonder if that's not a relevant analog to be made. That like I don't think that sports are on that level of mass market penetration that I'm talking about. I think video games and sports are kind of similar right now, where there there's this hardest of hardcore like diehard people that drive the industry and consider themselves gamers or sports fans or whatever, and they get the tattoos, they buy the jerseys, all that shit. You know what I mean, like. Um, same thing that we fucking do. Uh, and then there's a bunch of other people who are like, yeah, they watch football every once in a while. They, maybe they watch the Super Bowl, you know, and that's it. Right. Whereas like pretty much every fucking person in America watches television, right? Like most people go to see a movie a couple times a year or something like that. So, uh, for me, I, I don't think, first of all, I do think there will always be a hardcore contingent of gamers who drive the industry. Because I don't think that gaming will ever become so mainstream 
that anyone and everyone is doing it. That being said, obviously, we've seen a, we've seen a trend towards that ever since the Wii came out. I think that Nintendo was right on the the button with that. And yeah, they opened Pandora's box. Yeah, <laughs> and now obviously, as as Thompson pointed out, you have Candy Crush, you have all these different phone games and whatever that people are playing that are games, and that's indisputable. But I don't think that that's going to continue to grow because I think that we have a problem uh, specifically here in the West where play and gaming and things like that are viewed as childish, and there's a lot of people who still feel that way. Um, Granted, a lot of that is the older generation who who didn't grow up with games like that and don't value it as anything other than something to give to their kids for them to enjoy. As a toy. As a toy, yeah. And they don't see it as being more valuable than that. Um, I think people in our age group are straying away from that a little more. But I also think that people who are quote-unquote serious about their lives view that as something that's a waste of time. Uh, A lot of professional people will tell you that if you want to make it, you need to put aside those kind of leisure activities that take your brain away from what matters. And to them, leisurely activity is going to be reading a book or watching television or something like that not playing video games because they don't understand the value and so until that education takes place and until people are capable of seeing gaming as something that can actually be helpful as a stress reliever as an educational tool and not just for kids i'm not just talking about like those those like leapfrog games right like just just games real games just games Games that teach you philosophy. Like, Bioshock is an educational game, where I come from, oh, in my yeah. mind. Yeah, definitely. It's a great way to learn about Randian philosophy. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like... You don't have to sit and read a book that may or may not be boring. There are lots of people who don't feel like reading. But you could play a game, and you could learn the same information. And that is not something that a casual person understands yet about gaming, and I don't think that they ever will. And so, for that reason, I don't think that gaming will ever have the kind of penetration that you're talking. I really wonder, you know, because I, I, I think I sit somewhere between you guys where I definitely don't think it's already at that level. Um, and I don't know that it ever will be. And I'd like to think that you're right in terms of the um, there being a core contingency of like hardcore players. Um, and I honestly, like, I think that comes from a place that's kind of selfish. You know, I honestly think it comes from a place that's a little gatekeepery, um, which I don't like to be that way. But it's that like, I am a gamer. Right. And like video games are a part of my identity to a degree, you know, and like um, I, I do see that as like a community that I'm a part of. And I don't see someone who plays a, a phone game, you know, as part of that market. You know, right. it's not. It's not or your grandparents who own a Wii because they wanted to do Wii bowling. Like they're not gamers, you know, like they don't have a, a, a relationship to video games like we do. You know, um, and, and I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I'm not like judging anyone. It's just a thing of like, I don't I don't know that that will hit a point where everyone has that kind of relationship to games or even when a majority of people do. But I wonder because I really do think the point you made, Sean, is I, I do think that oh, that has changed a lot, that the perception that they're for kids or whatever uh is shifting a lot because there are a lot of adult adults that play games the average age of a video gamer is 30 years old you know or closer to 30 years old than it is uh uh a, ch- a child so i do think that 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 is going to change to some degree especially when you think about the fact that like 
the generations that feel the way that you're talking about are now parents themselves, you know? And like, obviously, um, any one of us who had children would, uh, I think, instill a love of games in their children, even by accident, you know? Just because the same reason that like, I, you know, have a relationship to fucking classic rock, you know, because my dad listened to it and I grew up around it and it means something to me because I have that, you know, um, that exposure to it as a child and you have someone there to be like, oh, well, here's the value of this thing, you know, and here's why it means something. Um, and then it means something to you too. For sure. I, I, I hear that. And now I'm getting into the territory where it's like, I don't have objective fact of this, but I think that what happens a lot you could you could look at like for example hippies right and this is getting into a different kind of area but like it's a sociological discussion though so i think analogs like this yeah go for it they had a, a way of looking at the world that was very different than their predecessors they were very rebellious quote unquote they didn't subscribe to the belief system that you had to be a certain way in order to be a professional person they didn't want to be professional people but look at what happened to them they became what it was that they said that they hated because there's a certain point in your life where a lot of people feel like you have to make a choice um, when it comes to either you're going to be either you're going to make something of yourself and you're going to be a person who lives in the world without being, you know, an outlier or you're going to be someone who, you know, is shunned in society who goes against the grain, who isn't the norm, and that feels weird for people. And I think around your 30s is when people start to make those decisions. I'm going to shun video games, and I'm going to put them aside, or I'm going to stop reading comic books, or whatever, because I have to be a certain kind of person. Because right, an when, adult. Right. When my girlfriend's parents come to the house, or when my wife's parents come to the house, I don't want them to see my PlayStation 4 and my collection of video games and judge me. And I think that there's a lot of people who are that way. And I don't know how that's going to play out because we're living in it right now. We're, we're living yeah. in that in that the millennials who were the ones who started this whole thing, who were the first generation to grow up with games in their home, instead of having to go to the arcades, those people are now 30 and 30 plus. And so it'll be interesting to see how they choose to live their lives and what they do. And that's really going to be the telling thing regarding whether or not gaming penetrates more. But I have one more point to make. I think that for the gaming industry to survive and thrive for the next 50 years, what you're asking has to happen. Because you look at the cost of creating games now, AAA games, it gets higher and higher. And people have to buy these games and continue to support them for that to exist. And I don't know where gaming is necessarily. And this would be like a, we'd have to really get into numbers. I don't know where gaming is without AAA games. Do PS4 still sell? Do Xboxes still sell? Without those huge titles that drive sales. If people stop yeah. caring, then what happens mm. to gaming? I I think I think it does. Because that's, that's the thing is like, I think the thing that makes to me, right? Like why I think I'm so in the middle is I think gaming's at that tipping point where like it's past niche. Gaming yes. isn't niche anymore, you know? Like, enough people play video games where I don't I don't think that will, like, I've seen a lot of talk around, like, oh, are we going to come to a similar video game crash? Like, could we see a crash in the video game market? No, we won't. We won't. Because, like, it's, this, it's not the same environment that it was when the video game market crashed in 1985, you know? And for those of you who don't know, 
or not even 85, a little bit before that. Nintendo saved it in 1985. There was a very famous crash in the video game market. You can go read all about it. Uh, tweet at me, loud underscore Pete. We can have a conversation about it. I'm not going to get into that right now. But the reason it happened was because the market was flooded with shit. And we talk every week on this show about how video games have become so big. There's so many games that you, quote unquote, need to play to be part of the overall conference. You can't keep up. And all of them find audiences and succeed and make a ton of fucking money. Video games are healthier than they've ever been, frankly, you know? And not only just in uh, in money, but in, like, variety, in offers. You know, there used to be a time where there was 20 games that came out a year that were a big part of the conversation. You could list 100 fucking games that have come out in a, in a year that are relevant or that had an audience or that made money and were profitable. And I think even if AAA gaming died, right? Like if we did see that bubble burst, the indie community is so thriving right now. Half the games that get talked about in a year are those anyway that have a smaller budget, that are two-hour experiences, that are, you know, a multiplayer game that you play for 500 hours, you know, and that don't cost $600 million to get made because they're not Destiny or, you know, Call of Duty or whatever, you know? Um like, League of Legends was a thing that was started by a bunch of modders, and it was, like, nothing, and they built a fucking empire out of it, you know? Pub was, like, it's, like, fucking this Irish guy and a bunch of people that he worked with over Skype and Discord and shit for five years, and now they're making a game that has six million players, and they made, you know, fucking hundreds of millions of dollars. And I just, I don't know, like, it's so, we're so in a Wild West point that I, like, it always has felt like this industry was in its Wild West, and we're just still not out of it. It's still in its infancy. Gaming's only 60 or 70 years old as an, as an industry? That's crazy. Or as a medium, not even an industry, as an art form. You know, like, I think we've only scratched the surface of, like, what we can even maybe do. I think that you're making a really good point in the sense that Get create the creation of games is not you're not held back by there's not really anything holding you back other than knowing how to do it. Uh, yep. you can make, desire right anyone can make a game and it's not going to cost you like a ton of money to make a game. It's not it's not really about that. You have to have a lot of technical skill and you have to really want it, but you and could do it in time and time. Yeah, but you could absolutely do it. So that's a really good point. And 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 there's no barrier to people playing that game other than exposure, but if it's good, I think with gaming in a lot of ways more than anything else, like if it's good, people will play it. Yep. Yeah, real truly quality games rise to the top. It's very rare that a game is like exceptional and no one plays it, you know? It just doesn't happen. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. The only thing that I'm questioning cuz for me, for example, I consider myself to be a gamer. Absolutely, 100%. I wouldn't be here if I wasn't. I would not buy... I wouldn't buy a PS4 if there weren't AAA games. I wouldn't even think about it. If there, if that if that market didn't exist, I wouldn't play games other than, I don't know, like Heroes of the Storm and, and WoW. If you, if you consider those AAA games and they died, I would not play games anymore. Because indie games don't appeal to me at all. So, I, I'm not... I don't, I don't think I represent the majority at all. I just know that there are people like that. And so I'm just wondering what would how would gaming change if that happened? Is all I I'm mean wondering. it would. It would. It would. It would it would unvariably change and I think you're right that it would we probably lose people, but I think you'd be surprised cuz I honestly think that like 
I think if if AAA like big AAA games fell away, I think games would still come out. I think people would still be interested. You know, I think like I think if if all of a sudden all AAA studios bottomed out and we had to go and make smaller games just because that's what happened or whatever, right? If there was some bubble burst, you'd lose a, a significant number of casual, more casual players. But like, I I honestly. I challenge that I think you might actually like seek out other experiences because you like to play games, you know, and like I think you might get into like different kinds of games that are, you know, because like I don't know if I would consider a game like Heroes of the Storm a AAA experience, you know, I think it, it has a big budget and everything because it's supported by Activision Blizzard, but like it's not a game that costs $600 million to make or $100 million to make, you know, like right. and that's the thing is like I think experiences like that are so popular right now. Like there's like Rocket League is a game that didn't cost that much and it cost twenty dollars and it's fucking huge, you know. And yeah. and Pub thirty dollar game, you know. It's like it's not a sixty dollar AAA game, but it's the game everyone's talking about right now. And I think I think those lines are gonna matter less and less as gaming proliferates more and more. I'll say this: I hope you're right. I want gaming to exist and to thrive. I worry about the cost of development of AAA games, and I want those games to exist because those are the games that resonate with me the most. Yeah. Um, I don't want to see a scenario where you only have Activision, um, X and X as options for the big developers. You know, I don't want that at all. I feel like we're going there. You do? I do. Because of, again, we keep seeing studios get shuttered. We keep hearing about the cost. And that's that's growth that won't stop. So fifty years from now, where are we? Is my question. I mean, I I think you're right in that I uh, I don't know because it, it's tough though, right? Because like yeah, like studios close all the time, but that's always been the case of video games. Video games are a volatile industry, and like most studios, make and break are every game they make is make or break. Yep. And that's just how it is. And I think every time we see one of these big studios shutter, two indies get opened up from the people that were there though you know and and then those grow into bigger studios and they make bigger games and then they die and fall away but there's never the talent is still there and like you said it's getting easier to make games more people are making games more people are buying games i i think the industry is only gonna go up from here you know there's there's no signs that anything is wrong you know more people are buying consoles uh, more people are on Steam. Like we have, like games that you know, all these games that are just independent juggernauts. Like we've talked for, before about how, like, there's games like For Honor or uh, whatever that you never hear about, but millions of people are still playing it every day. I'm obviously not. I'm not informed enough to have this conversation, other than to say that I'm I'm happy with where games are at. I'm a little concerned about the future of the of a certain kind of gaming, but obviously gaming itself, it, everything looks great. Yeah, I I mean I think your concerns are valid. I I don't think it's impossible to see a, a point where we do have only a few of these major publishers that can afford to make AAA games. That's kind of where we're at already, you know. And like we have seen companies like Bethesda. Um, come up and become big publishers, you know, and actually shake up that, you know, not a monopoly, but, you know, like, there are your EAs and Activisions and whoever, and there aren't many other people that can compete on that level. But we have seen companies like that jump up and actually make that money. You know, like, Riot, the people behind League of Legends, they have that much money now. Like, if they wanted to start publishing games, they could become huge, you know? And it's, it's not impossible. You know, there's de definitely still the... 
the demand for games like that. I think we might get to a point where we see less of them, but I don't know if that's a bad thing. Would it be bad if we got back to the point where there's only like 10 AAA games a year, but they're fucking awesome instead of getting like EA puts out Mass Effect Andromeda and then it's, and it's like whatever, you know, and it's like it's not terrible, but it's like I, I don't need to play this. And then they put out Anthem, which is the game that they're really, really focusing on. And maybe we just focus on that. And instead, there's maybe a few more indies or these kind of like, you know, multiplayer games that are super fucking popular right now. The uh, games as services. I don't, I, I don't I don't know. I don't I don't know, man. That's the conversation, right? Like yeah. we're just we're just having the talk. And I just think it's interesting. I love talking about the industry, you know, and like where it's going and everything. But it's just crazy to see how much it's changed since we were kids. You know, we've come a long way. That's for sure. And, you know, it, it's weird to me, too, because, like, we're – I always, like, come back to that Bane reference, right? right? Like, we're, we're not the generation that adopted gaming. Like, we were born into it. Like, gaming had history when we were kids already, you know? Like, we're, like, already in it. And we're the first generation that I think really had that experience, you know, where games had a 30-year history before us where, you know, there were classics. Already, yeah. Yeah. I feel like the more and more that that happens, right, the further we get away from there being a generation that has no relationship to video games, the more and more we're going to see more gamers. Agreed. And gaming is probably the healthiest industry, like off the top of my head, that I can think of because of how open, open-ended it is in terms of who can, who can do this. Movies, you see the same movie every year because only a few studios get to make them and it's and risk averse yeah absolutely um comic books we already you know that story is well told um comics are small yeah books they're Barnes, niche barnes and nobles in danger like barnes and noble the number one bookstore the only bookstore is in danger uh games are are not there and there's no signs of them being there so and I think, too, there's not a culture around any other art form the way, the way there is around gaming. You know, like, even comics, which, like, there's a healthy fan culture of, like, people talking about comics and having conversations about them and everything. Like, there's no, like, Let's Plays for that. You know, there's not an entire separate industry that's built around people collectively enjoying video games in that way. And just talking about it. Just talking yeah. about it. Like, it's, yeah. You can make tons of money as a video as a as a video game like pundit like yeah right right and literally just like and again and not only that like we're comparing it only to art forms video games are also a sport now and that's another thing that no other art form can claim to that like you know that there's video games on espn and shit like that's that's crazy like i never thought i would see that i remember being a kid and being like there are people that make money playing starcraft there are people that aren't even that aren't even fucking good at video games that make money playing (laughs) video games now that's crazy yep Absolutely. So uh, it's it's just it's, – it's, it's exciting to think about where it's going to be by the time that we're parents, you know, or even five years from now because I would have never thought it would have been where it was five years ago. Yeah, so you guys have said like literally everything I was going to say every time I was going to say something. So I felt like I was <laughs> hearing myself talk the whole time. I'm still here. Um, but I just want to say my end of it, considering that we have the Steam market – growing we have the playstation sales growing we have the switch out we have people talking about it we have sports everything you guys have mentioned i think the the uh price of gaming isn't always 60 so people have more access to more games i think we're always going to have triple a games as well 
and people will pay for them if they want them. And I think, uh, you, you've never like, like what Pete was saying just before too, like, you know, like never thought I'd see it this way. Like I, I started up with fucking doom when I was like five, you know what I mean? Like I had, I had like a, a old school Nintendo and I like super Nintendo to me was like rad, you know? <laughs> and like the, the way that the games are now, I, I, this is like a dream come true for me. I, I, it's not even like a nerd thing. Like, you know, for me, like it's such a, it's mainstream enough that it exists that you don't have to feel like being like, it's like taboo anymore. Cause it used to feel like taboo when I was a kid, like when I was very young, it, like it was something to be ashamed. Yeah. Of. Like to be ashamed of it. Like I didn't let people know I played games until I was like, sure. You know? And it's, you know, it was, it was like cool to say, you know, <laughs> and like now it's like a matter of like, you can be like, yeah, I play games for like, I don't play games, but they're not going to be like, you know, like dismissive to you because of that. You know what I mean? That alone is such a huge shift that I don't think you're ever going to see gaming die. I think because it, it got out of the taboo zone, regardless of how successful it will be, or even if it shrinks in the future, I don't think it's ever going to go away. Because once it's part of something, it doesn't usually go away. You know what I mean? It just is at that point, you know? And there's always going to be someone who cares about it then. And it will always continue on in some way. Absolutely. And I, and again, I, I think it's just like gaming has evolved a lot. And it's always evolving. It's never, it's, it's like a living document. It never stops. Like it never solidifies. This is what a game is. There's always somebody trying something new or making something new. And like VR is, is new. And it, it's certainly not like, the groundbreaking thing everyone was saying it's going to change everything forever but it's a start man like that's how things move you know it's the start of something brand new it's again. it's picking up steam you know what i mean it really is like the vr games that we're seeing now are refined enough that you know um th they actually look really good you know like they're they're playing to what its strengths are you know and it's not it's not so much like we had to ask before like does the VR make the game better or is it just a gimmick it's like well no actually the VR is making these games better now you know like they're they're coming out with some that are actually really good or, or yeah, or just different. Yeah, or just doing something that's something we've never seen, and just a, a new way to play. You know, and a lot of people ask when they see a game that they don't like, they're like, "Well, why would I want to play this?" And you can ask like back, "Well, why not?" There's somebody who's going to want to play it. You know, it doesn't mean because you don't want to play it that it doesn't strike a chord with someone. Like I'm not the biggest fan of Persona, you know, but I've watched every game be played. You know, I just don't feel like playing them. You know what I mean? And I love. I should love everything about Persona. It's right everything on my I don't like it for some reason, like to play it, you know? It's weird. But like that's that's the beauty of it. Yeah. Like it's fine. You know? Because yeah. like we're past that point where, you know, that they're if you're not into character platformers or whatever, you're not into FPSs right now, that there's no games for you. You know, right. it's like there's something for everyone. Yeah. And also, as as Pete was saying and has said before, what other what other industry has a market for people who don't even play the game to get into the game. Right, yeah. You know, like, you can't, you're not going to watch someone watch a movie, right? That's not going to happen. You're either going to watch I mean, it or you're not. Unless you're watching Mystery Science Theater, but. <laughs> <laughs> That's specific, you know, and that works because, you know, it's what it is. It's designed to be, you know, and like games, games just transcend so much, you know, it's amazing. I, I get almost as much enjoyment out of watching people play fighting games as I do playing them myself. I totally and get it. Nothing yeah. else you can say that about. Yeah. I never thought I'd. I used to say, like, all the time when Let's Play start, like, that's stupid, you know, like, because I was just like, I don't want to watch someone play a game. Why don't I just play it? And then I watched one and I was like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> you know? This is different. Yeah. It's its own thing. Right. You know, it's a totally different experience, right. you know? And, uh, and yeah, I, I just think that's. That's kind of the note I want to end it on, you know, is that it's just like gaming is different than every other medium in so many ways that are just really like almost ineffable, 
You know, that like we have we have an ownership over games that you don't have over other mediums. We have a relationship to to this thing that we do, this hobby, this art form, this sport that we engage in and the people that we engage with it in a way that's different than anything else. And I think it's it's obviously always been resonant with people or it wouldn't have gotten to the point where it is. But I think more and more more people are I think the gates the barriers to entry are just coming down. And I think more and more people are getting that taste and getting engaged and finding something to love. And I think that's beautiful, you know, because I want to, I love games, you know, I love playing games and I love the things that playing games have done for me as a person and, um, and for my life. And I want everyone to get a taste of that, you know, and to be, have, you know, just have fun, have, have part of that, that joy of play that I think so many people to Sean's point earlier, um, lose sight of as we get older. Well said. (laughs) I agree. All right. So that's going to wrap up uh, the main discussion here on this week's episode of the Video Game Pals. As always, if you guys want to connect with the show, please write into us at our brand new email address, thevideogamepals at gmail.com. That's thevideogamepals at gmail.com. You can connect with us all over social, me- social media at the Comics Pals uh, to keep up with what's going on here at the Pals Network. If you don't already check it out and you read comic books, please go check out the Comics Pals, um, which posted yesterday. So the brand new episode is already there for you. As always, uh, if you're an audio listener, please like or uh, rate us on the uh, platform of your choice. Bounce over to iTunes where you can give us a five-star rating, which we would greatly appreciate. Uh, And if you're ever on YouTube, please like the video, share it with a friend, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already, and make sure you tune in next week for another episode of the Video Game. Take care, guys. Peace.